How many steps do you take before you have foot pain? Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store, and the truth is, the battle between our feet and the concrete or asphalt usually winds up with our feet losing. Studies show that about 75% of people will experience some kind of foot pain by middle age. I found that out a number of years ago with plantar fasciitis, and I tried to remedy it with shoes and drugstore cushions that didn't work. Finally, I went to the Good Feet Store, was personally fitted for arch supports, and I loved them so much, I bought the store. Without a plan to protect and support your feet, it is likely you could one day be one of the millions living with chronic foot pain. Don't wait until pain demands that you visit us. Stop by the Good Feet Store today and let one of our trained arch support specialists fit you with your personal system of arch supports. The Good Feet Store is located in Fairfax, Leesburg, Rockville, Baltimore and Hunt Valley, and in Annapolis in the Annapolis Harbor Center. For more information, go to goodfeet.com. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test Jesus and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But because the scholar wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus said, A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jericho to Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped him and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the road, but when he saw him, he passed on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he also passed onto the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved to compassion with this sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instructions, take care of him, and if you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these, Jesus asked, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robbed victim? He said, the one who treated him with mercy. Jesus responded, go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. As you know, well, maybe you don't know. When I travel, I always incorporate into my homilies what I've learned in my traveling experiences. And I happen to be in Rome for the last month, so I'm going to give you a Roman word, an Italian word, prossimi. Can you all say it? Prossimi. Okay, turn to your right and to your left. That is your prossimi. Prossimi are 
your neighbors. But because of the English derivation that we use, proximate comes to mean close, close by, proximate, I'm proximate to the book and so on, you're proximate to me. But I thought in listening to the words of the scripture, and what I, what I tend to do is read the same scriptures in Italian just to renew my Italian uh, language skills. You know, they're, they're weak, but I'm trying to improve them all the time. And prosimi stood out last week when I read the scriptures for today. Closeness. But wait on, wait on that before we talk about the Samaritan. Everybody wants to talk about the good Samaritan. Have any of you ever met a Samaritan? Oh, got one back there, one over here. Okay. Um, we're not enemies with the Samaritans, okay? The Jews were enemies with the Samaritans. Reason is, in the north, the northern Jews intermarried with the Assyrians, and they created a new place of worship, Mount Gizerim, and didn't go to Jerusalem to the temple. So the Jews saw them as apostates, as outsiders, as, as enemies, okay? So the Samaritans and the Jews never got along. Now, I'd like to compare, I hate to make anybody our enemy because I think, I think everybody is our prosimia, our neighbor, but I'd like to compare, I don't know any names specifically, but you all know the word Taliban. I don't know if it's alive, dead, if he got rid of them, didn't get rid of them, but that, those elements are still in the world. So imagine a member of the Taliban sees you laying in the street. Stop right there and we'll go back to that later. Okay, so the book of Deuteronomy really starts opening our minds today to exactly what happened in Jesus' parable. And the book of Deuteronomy is written, it's, a, it's called second book, Deuteronomy, second law. It was written really for the Jews, telling them this is God's law, but it was written after the exile and after the, the, the great um, evacuation from, from Egypt. So what is the law of God saying? Well, the law, you know, if you want to count them, there's like 565 laws of the Jews, not just the Ten Commandments, that's only the tip of the iceberg. There's 565 laws that the Jews observe. Those who are relevant, those who are practicing. So the law is some, something very significant. And different than you and I relate to God, we relate to Jesus specifically through the Blessed Sacrament, okay? That's our closeness, okay, to Jesus. When we receive the Eucharist, we're getting in touch with God. When we pray, we get in touch with God. But in the Eucharist, it's like the most profound way of getting close to God. The Jews, their closeness to God was the law. They would create the Torah, the five, first five books, they would create the, the Bema to hold the Torah, and, and the law was very important. God's law was God speaking. See, we don't have that. We have laws, and we have canon law, and we have rules, but that concept of the closeness of God to his people, specifically for the Jews, was the Torah, the, the rules of the first five books. For us, it's the Eucharist and the Holy Gospel. That's how we get close to God. Okay. So now the book of Deuteronomy says, if only you would heed the voice of God and keep his commandments and statutes, you'd be saved. Now just think of a Jew listening to this, oh, I've got to keep all those laws. I, 
if it'll take me a lifetime to keep them all, and yeah, I'll be saved. But wait a minute. Book of Deuteronomy steps one further step into what the message is all about. The command of God that I enjoin on you today, this is God speaking to the, the author through inspiration, is not too mysterious and not remote and not across the sea and not up in the sky. The law of God is something very near to you, already in your mouths and in your hearts. You only have to carry it out. Our conscience. Our faith-filled, well-informed conscience. See, because we're made in the image of God, we're not just like robots running through the world. We have the God's, God's spirit within us. We have God's ability to develop our conscience within us. So God is saying through the book of Deuteronomy, this is well before Jesus came on the scene, you, you want to know what God wants you to do? Think about it. Basically, think about it. Because it's already in your heart and on your lips and in your head. And, and when, the, when the scholar said to Jesus, how, how do I keep the law? Jesus says, what's, what's the summation of the law? You must obey the Lord your God with your whole heart, your mind, your soul, every, all of, everything about you. You don't need the gospel to tell you that. You don't need God to tell you that. You were born with that. The ability to find truth. The ability to follow our neighbor. The ability to follow Jesus' word in our lives if we are Christian. And then there are people who are not Christian who still follow their conscience, of course, to find God, to find the connection. But we have it in Jesus. So we have the connection that comes with our baptism, our confirmation, and each time we receive the Eucharist, and every time we pray, God is in our heads, our hearts, and our mouths. If we choose to use God that way, if we choose to access God, if we choose to develop our conscience, and not just say, oh, everybody's doing it this way. The hell with everybody's doing it this way. We're called to follow Jesus Christ. We're not called to follow the crowd. And our conscience is a challenge. We'd like to say, oh, I don't have a conscience. I do this, I do that. We have a conscience. What else brings you to confession? What else brings us to the, the sacrament of reconciliation? Our conscience. So the book of Deuteronomy, yes, talking about the law, but the book of Deuteronomy says, okay, don't go looking for, you know, rule number 652 or 101. Don't worry about that stuff. You know the law of God in your hearts and your lips and in your brains. We all do. We've got to use it. We've got to activate it. And just so we know what we're talking about, the letter to the Colossians tells us today that Jesus is all in all, basically. He's all in all. He's above the angels, the principalities. He's above... Anything that you can imagine. Now, the author of Colossians is talking to um, Greeks who were very much tied into agnostic theories, which meant uh, only really certain intellectuals could understand God. And the author is saying, no, 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 no. God is available to all of us because there is no way of getting to God more directly than through Jesus Christ. He's all in all. 
He's the fullness. And he's the presence of God. And he reconciles all things in himself. So, so we've got Jesus clarified in Deuteronomy who has all the answers. And we have Jesus. He's our Lord and brother. He has all the answers, and so do we, as long as we bring ourselves close to him. Okay. How do you bring yourself close to Jesus? Turn to your right, turn to your left. That's how you start it. I, I, you know, this is 21st century scripture. I can't hold this up. Let me hold this us, but you know these Italians, they talk with their hands? This is the 21st century. I don't like it. You don't like it, I presume. But we have people in the streets a lot. I saw them in Rome. I saw them here. I see them in New York and Manhattan, all over. Jersey, it doesn't matter. We have the poor. And there's a whole homeless problem, crisis, I think, we have in our society. That we don't provide enough for the homeless. We don't provide enough for the working poor. We don't provide enough as a society for those who need us the most. This is not politics, this is homily. So we're talking about how are we going to access Jesus Christ, the fullness of the law, and the fullness of God. Turn to your right, turn to your left. That's the beginning, eprosomy. Those who are closest to us. I don't know if you're ever going to be in the middle of the, the street in some major city and care for someone who is just hurt. I hope we all have the conscience and the stability of character to do that, to call, to, to assist. But that's, not, that's sociology. I, I don't want to go there. I want to go into the, the reason for it, the reason you would reach out to someone, the, the reason you would help, whether through Catholic charities or, or Catholic relief services or through the parish collections. The reason is because eprosomy, the, the people to our right and to our left, are our brothers and sisters. We are made in the image of God and Jesus gives us a very clear example of how to treat one another. So he gives us this parable, the famous parable of the, the Samaritan, the, the outsider, the enemy who sees and in the word of the scholars is moved to compassion. You want to know who our sisters and brothers are? Each other the respect and the civility and the Christian charity that we should have for each other here in the building of the church should go out with us so that wherever we are, we carry, and, and the, the author of Colossians calls it the image of Jesus, let's make it very clear, the icon of Jesus. The image of Jesus is emblazoned on every one of us. The image of Jesus is within us, in our hearts, in our minds, and our whole selves. You leave, excuse me, if we leave the image of Jesus here and go out like the rest of them, like everybody else does, we're disgracing Jesus. We have the image of Jesus emblazoned on our hearts and in our minds, through our conscience, through our prayer life. So how I treat my neighbors, how I treat the kids in my class, how I treat the elderly, how I treat the poor, how I treat politicians, all depends on the image of Jesus within me and how I reflect that image 
in the world. And Jesus is not just a nice guy. Colossians made that very clear. He's the beginning and the end of all things. And we have the ability to bring God to one another, to our proximity, to our neighbors. And if that neighbor begins here, right next to you in the chair, fine. If that neighbor is in another part of the world, fine. Through our conscience, through our pockets, through our treasures and our talents, we can serve and reach out to the neighbors far away. And there are systems that do that, and you know that as well as I do. But if you don't start here, if you don't start here in treating each other with dignity and respect and compassion, it's all a waste. It's as if we're taking the image of Jesus and tearing it up. But when we receive the Eucharist, we're creating a bond. We're saying, yes, I believe. We open our mouths. We receive the body and blood of Christ. I believe that I will leave here as an image of Jesus Christ. So who are your neighbors? Look to your right. Look to your left. Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too. And with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus. Made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students, including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by Chev. When we talk about McDonald's combo meals, we talk about savory meat, golden fries, and your favorite drink. Now, the combo meals just got crispy, juicy, and tender with the new crispy chicken sandwich combo. And you have to try it. Get a classic or spicy crispy chicken sandwich with medium fries and a medium soft drink like Sprite for only six bucks. Promotion pricing may be lower than meal pricing, cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba.